This is Rabbi Shama Engelmeyer, and welcome to my second podcast. Today's topic, Pesach, Passover, the festival of our muted joy. The Torah refers to Pesach, to Passover, as Chagamatzot, the festival of unleavened bread. Our sages of blessed memory gave it another name, Zman Cherutenu, the time of our freedom. This, after all, is what the festival is about. It marks the time when God set us free from the slavery of Egypt. Freedom would seem to be something to rejoice over, and yet that's one thing about this festival that's unlike the other two pilgrimage festivals. On Shavuot and on Sukkot, the Torah specifically commands us to rejoice. There's no such specific instruction regarding Pesach. For example, in Leviticus 23, which we read on day two, we're told about Sukkot, and you shall rejoice before the Lord your God seven days. In Deuteronomy 16, which we read on day 8, it states, And you shall keep the feast of weeks to the Lord your God, and you shall rejoice before the Lord your God. You shall observe the feast of booths seven days, and you shall rejoice in your feast, because the Lord your God shall bless you in all your produce and in all the works of your hands. Therefore, you shall surely rejoice. It says nothing comparable, however, about Pesach. Does this mean that Pesach is not a happy holiday? Is freedom something we should be sad about? Of course not. We should rejoice on Pesach, but we must temper our joy, keep it somewhat muted and private, because our freedom came at a high price. Consider what we're told in Deuteronomy. And when your son asks you in time to come, saying, What do the testimonies and the statutes and the judgments mean which the Lord your God has commanded you? Then you shall say to your son, We were slaves to Pharaoh in Egypt, and the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. And the Lord showed signs and wonders great and grievous upon Egypt, upon Pharaoh, and upon all his household before our eyes. A mighty hand, great and grievous signs and wonders. In order to set us free, God had to kill other human beings and cause great suffering to many more. In the Babylonian Talmud tractate Sanhedrin, there's a midrash that speaks to this issue. When God finally decided to drown the Egyptian host in the sea, it says, quote, In that instant, the ministering angels wanted to sing a song before the Holy One, but he rebuked them, saying, The works of my hands are drowning in the sea, and you would sing a song in my presence? God, says the Talmud, doesn't rejoice when people die, even if those people are wicked. And neither should we, according to the book of Proverbs. Rejoice not when your enemy falls, it says, and let not your heart be glad when he stumbles, lest the Lord see it and be displeased. The Torah has its own way of teaching this lesson. In Exodus, for example, it says, If you meet your enemy's ox or his jackass going astray, you shall surely bring it back to him again. If you see the jackass of one who hates you lying under its burden, you shall help him to lift it up. Then there's this in Deuteronomy, You shall not loathe an Edomite, for he is your brother. You shall not loathe an Egyptian, because you are a stranger in his land. You shall not loathe an Egyptian, because you are a stranger in his land. We were slaves in his land. He enslaved us. But you shall not loathe an Egyptian. The message is clear. All people are God's creation, his children. In God's eyes, all are equal. He expects people to fight. He sometimes even insists on it himself. But when the war is over, he wants everyone to be treated as though the fighting never happened. That's why, for example, the Torah prohibits destroying the food-bearing trees of the enemy in wartime. Only the trees which you know are not trees for food 
you shall destroy, says the Torah. After the war, after all, people you're besieging are going to need to eat. And so on Pesach, on Passover, our joy is tempered because people died. It doesn't matter that those people were our enemies. They were, nevertheless, the works of God's hands, a part of the human family. Our joy is diminished because they died. We observe this in several ways during Pesach. As we've seen, God himself in his Torah refrains from talking about rejoicing during Pesach. Yet he mentions it three times regarding Sukkot and once regarding Shavuot. At the Seder, we remove drops of wine from our cups as each plague is recited. One explanation is that our full cup of joy was diminished with each plague. And then there's Hallel, the Psalms of Praise that we recite in the synagogue at morning services throughout Pesach. On Sukkot, which is known as Zman Simchatenu, the time of our joy, we recite the full Hallel from the first day until the last, on all nine days. On Pesach, however, we recite the full Hallel only on the first two days. Again, our joy needs to be muted. Now, one of the interesting things about us is that we have a dual personality. We're at one and the same time a people of memory and a people of the future. The rituals we perform and the festivals we observe also are dual-faceted. We wear tefillin, for example, and if we don't, we should. We wear tefillin because God took us out of Egypt with a strong hand. But we also wear tefillin to remind us that God gave us a mission to complete, to repair the world. Tefillin, like tzitzit and mezuzah, among others, are symbols, not amulets. They're meant to remind us of our responsibilities under God's law. We'll discuss this in a future podcast. We celebrate Sukkot in memory of the 40 years we spent in the desert, but we also celebrate Sukkot in order to help bring about God's Sukkot Shalom, his shelter of peace. So it is with Pesach. We remember the exodus from Egypt and the many wonderful things that God did for us back then. That kind of memory, though, can be a very intoxicating experience. It can cause us to think too much of ourselves and our place in the world. It can cause us to believe that we're somehow better than anyone else. For why else would God have done what he did for us? That's not what the Torah tells us. For you are a holy people to the Lord your God, it says in Deuteronomy. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a treasured possession to himself before all peoples that are upon the face of the earth. That term, treasured possession, is not what it sounds like. In the ancient Near East, this was a legal term. In our case, it signifies that we have a special relationship with God that imposes extra burdens on us that other people don't have. This is made clear in the next two verses. The Lord did not send his love upon you nor choose you because you were more in number than any people, it says, for you were the fewest of all peoples, but because the Lord loved you and because he would keep the oath which he had sworn to your fathers. In other words, God brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand and redeemed us out of the house of slaves from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, because he told Abraham he would, and because he promised Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob that their children would inherit the land. We have a special relationship with God, yes, but God otherwise makes no distinction between us and anyone else. And so our joy is muted on Pesach as a way of teaching us that we're not better than anyone else, just different. God created the human race. He did so by creating one human. We're not told what color this human was, 
or what to, or to what race this human belonged. We don't know what religion this human held. We do know that this Adam, this Adam, was neither a man nor a woman, but both at the same time. And we also know that from the Adam, which is the way the Bible actually expresses it, we also know that from the Adam came the human race. In other words, God created all humankind as equal. When the human race gets that message, in other words, when we do our job as a kingdom of priests and holy nation, then there will be no more wars. We'll all enter the future age of redemption together as brothers and sisters. Pesach, then, is not only about past redemption, but also about the redemption to come. And so our joy is muted on Pesach to remind us that God gave to us the task of making that future happen. Yes, we're happy that God saved us, but we're sad that people had to die in the process. They may have been our enemies, but they were also our brothers and sisters. Enjoy the Passover holiday. Chag Sameach. See you the next time, and thank you for listening.